you know, last week we started talking about, uh, I told you guys about a book I was reading, uh, and we started talking about the three keys to breakthrough. And last week we talked about how the first key to breakthrough was that we overcome by the blood of the lamb. Between Wednesday's message, Sunday morning with Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean, them teaching on living the resurrected life, and then Pastor Sean's message during our live service on Sunday, you should be well-versed on the blood. Now, we know that you can never know too much about the blood, but there are three hours of messages that you can go grab about the blood on just last week alone, all right? And so take advantage of that. But uh, we know that the word says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, right? And it says, and we live lives not unto death. Well, we're going to talk about all three of those. Like I said, last week we talked about the blood of the, I mean, the blood of the lamb. And this week we're going to talk about the word of our testimony. And if you know anything about the scripture, you know that God has already given us victory. In John 16 and 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you have, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And so Jesus said, hey, you don't got to you don't got to be troubled. It says, but take heart. I have already overcome the world. That's probably one of the more popular scriptures when it comes down to talking about victory. Another very popular scripture when it talks about victory is everyone is born of God overcomes the world. And this is a victory that has overcome our world. What? even our faith. So by faith, we're able to access the victory that was purchased on our behalf by Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross. And so victory is a purchase plan for us already. It isn't something that we're waiting to get. It isn't something that we're waiting for God to prepare. Victory was already provided for us. Uh, for example, this morning, uh, my kids, they like donuts. And it's a certain coffee shop that we like and it sells donuts. But it also sells this little drink called like a boba. You know, it's like a tea with the little bubbles in it. And so this morning, uh, on my way back from the gym, I stopped by, I got Ava and Major a donut. Aiden doesn't like the donuts as much, but he loves bobas. So I got him a boba. I put it in the refrigerator this morning. Uh, because I wanted just to be good to him. I had prepared something for him, but I put it in the refrigerator for him and I was just like, hey, Aiden, I need for you to go do this, this, and this and uh, and everything. And But he had no idea that I had brought him to Boba. I was just wanting him to do a couple of things that he normally does in the morning to get dressed before I gave it to him. So victory is the same way. The Lord had already thought about us he had already purchased it on our behalf. He's just needing us to do a few things in order for us to experience what he has already purchased. The same way this morning, once Aiden did the things his daddy wanted him to do, which was to get dressed, pack your backpack, brush your teeth, wash your face, comb your hair, put on deodorant, then he was able to enjoy the purchase benefit that I had already got for him. And so victory for us, overcoming the enemy for us, operating in breakthrough for us has already been purchased. It's not something that we're waiting on. It's already been purchased. But in order to enjoy the purchased thing, we got to do it our father's way. Go ahead and type that. Say, I'll do it my father's way. So breakthrough belongs to the believer. It is part of our salvation package. And you got to understand that word salvation also means sozo. It means to save, to help, and to stretch, to rescue, and deliver. So when God came and he saved us, we are we were freed from the wrath of God and the bondage of, bondage of condemnation and sin. So because of God's, Jesus' salvation, 
because of his shedding of the blood on the cross, we have a right to salvation and salvation has removed sin and gave us the ability to overcome temptation. Salvation has done those things on our behalf. So I am not trying to experience victory. I am already victorious. I am not trying to experience breakthrough. I have already broke through. I am not trying to overcome. I have already overcome. All of those things are finished work. So the question some may be asking, if God has saved me, Ralph, why am I still bound? If God has provided victory for me, why am I still losing? If God, if the blood has freed me, why do I still, why am I still bound? Why am I still experiencing things as if I wasn't saved? If he has healed all my diseases, Ralph, why am I still sick? And so the purpose of the teaching of overcoming uh, the three way keys to breakthrough is to help us to address some of these questions and the fact that though those things have been purchased we got to do something on our part right it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony all right let's read that in revelation 12. it states it this way then i heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our god and the power of his christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night. I want you to see how often he's accusing you day and night. He's been cast down. And here's verse 11. This is where we, we hang our hat. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. We talked about last week. And by the word of their testimony, we're going to talk about this week. And they did not love their lives to death, which we'll talk about next week. Uh, we overcome the accuser by the blood. The blood is a tool or a weapon that's designed to annihilate, that has already annihilated all things contrary to the kingdom. Every single thing that's contrary to the kingdom of God has already been taken care of by the blood. However, we must align with or agree with the blood so that it may be useful. And now let me give you a very practical example. Imagine having a nail sticking out of a board and you have a hammer somewhere in your house, right? However, instead of going through the process to find the hammer, to uncover uh, the hammer, to figure out where it's at, you just start trying to use your hand to hammer the nail in, right? What are you going to experience? Pain? Discomfort? Are you going to have much progress? No. Why? Because you're going to do something. You're utilizing what you think. And some of you are like, well, I ain't going to use my hand. I'll find me a, a, a can or I'll find something else hard and I'll try to drive the nail in with that. When all you ever had to do was take the time to seek out the right tool to get the job done. And for so many times in our life, we do the same thing with, the, uh, with God. God has already given us the blood, which has already purchased everything that we need on our behalf, which has already solved every problem that we can ever encounter, right? It's already done. It, the work is finished. But instead of seeking out the solution that the blood has provided, instead, we rely on our own senses, our own knowledge, our own experiences to try to navigate to a place that only the blood can bring us to. Uh, is the same way with uh, at the Passover, right? When they used the blood appropriately, when they aligned and agreed with what God told them to do, then things were they were passed over. But anybody, right, who didn't participate and didn't do it the way that God asked them to, as the way that they were instructed, though the blood was available to them. They didn't receive the benefit of the blood because they chose not to do it the right way. And so you being saved, you being set free, you being delivered, those are all benefits to you, right? Same way you have benefits in your insurance plan. Same way if your electricity went off and everything in your freezer melted and spoiled. You have a benefit that most likely will pay for the replacement of food. But if you don't exercise the benefit by the word of your testimony by calling up your insurance adjuster and saying look i need to make a claim 
I have benefits that are promised to me that have been paid for each month. So I want you now to, I want to make a claim for you to replace what was taken from me, what had been spoiled. And it's the same thing with the blood of Jesus. When the enemy comes to me and tries to attack my body, I just need to call heaven through the word of my testimony and I need to make a claim. Why? Because the blood has already purchased healing on my behalf. So I need to testify. I need to claim what the blood has done. No enemy, you cannot attack my body. I am the healed of the Lord. I know enemy, you cannot attack my blood cells. They are all aligned. They're perfectly round. I don't suffer from anything sickle cell related. Why? Because the blood has already paid for it. By the word of our testimony, we lay claim to what's already ours. Amen? We lay claim to that. The victory that the blood has purchased on our behalf is only realized when we come into alignment with the blood. So victory is only realized when we come in alignment with the blood. So just like the insurance policy, though you have it, it only benefits you when you make a claim. Everybody who went through all those tornadoes, right? You can have insurance that'll pay for that. But if you, and the insurance company can know that you have damage, but there's still something you got to do on your part to make that claim. And so many of us are wanting God. God sees everything, so he know I'm broke. God sees everything, so he know I'm lacking. God isn't going to oh, God isn't going to interfere with the system he set up because it will cause him to become an unjust God. It will cause him to change. It will cause him to go against his word. So God isn't going to do that on your behalf even though he loves you. But that's what we're expecting from God. And so this week, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of, and they overcame by the word of their testimony. That word testimony in the Greek means materia, which comes from the root word martis. The definition of these words is mainly from a judicial setting, which means to witness, which means evidence given, which means a record, a report, or a martyr. And so what, what happens is when we give testimony, we're giving witness. When we give testimony, we're providing evidence. We're providing a record. We're, we're, we're uh, providing a report. That's what our testimony is doing. Why do we need that testimony? Let's look at 1 Peter 5 and 8. This is why we need that testimony. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, uh, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever taken the time to look at that, but it says seeking whom he may devour. The same way that God cannot heal everyone because there are systems in place is the same reason that the enemy cannot devour everyone because there are systems in place. The blood and your testimony are systems designed to keep you from being devoured. So, so if God, I mean, there's poverty in the earth, there's sickness in the earth and all those things in the earth and they're here. Why? Because God can't do, interfere with that because he has given us power to speak to those things. The Bible, we told, how do we overcome? We experience victory by our what? Our faith. And so anybody not exercising faith then will not inherit salvation, first of all, but they will not inherit the things that uh, the Lord has. Likewise, the enemy can't come and attack you and devour you if you are not open to be devoured. It's just not possible. Now, will he try to attack? Absolutely. But would you be devoured? Absolutely not. Why? Because as a believer, we have already been guaranteed victory. People are devoured when they allow the accuser to convince them to not give kingdom testimony. So how do people get devoured? It's on your screen. Anytime you're devoured, it's simply because you allowed the accuser, Satan, the devil, to convince you not to give kingdom testimony. Because anytime you go to God and you give kingdom testimony, then you have to understand that God is going to judge you based off that testimony. 
But anytime I don't say what God has said concerning me, then the enemy, the accuser, the plaintiff who's bringing things against me and saying, hey, Ralph did this, then I end, if I don't give witness according to the kingdom, then I am now suffering uh, the consequences of that uh, accusation. And so for a lot of us, though freedom belongs to us, we don't experience the liberty because we don't speak to the word of the testimony to say what God has said. All right. So here's a very practical example. Let's walk through this. Imagine this. You're in a courtroom full of people and you're on trial. The people are all murmuring and discussing what they what they believe. All right. They're, uh, I want to use myself, for example. I'm on trial. Right. And I walk into the courtroom and everybody's like, oh, there he is. And, and you hear whispers, oh, I, I know he did it. He's guilty. And some people are like, no, 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 that's Raph. Raph didn't do that. He's not guilty. You know, you got all this stuff going on. And, and the judge tells everybody to be quiet. And so the judge says, hey, Raph, charges have been brought against you. You had sex outside of marriage, right? The plaintiff is suggestion, suggesting that you be condemned that you be disqualified and that you live life in misery. That's what he's suggesting, right? How do you plead? Here's your first opportunity to overcome by the word of your testimony. Some of y'all like, I'm guilty. See, already you, you have accepted that, right? But judge, I plead not, I plead not guilty, right? And then the accuser is like, no, 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 you guilty. Did you have sex outside of marriage? Did you know it was wrong? Did your pastor talk about fornication and teach you about it? What does the Bible say, Ralph, about fornicating? Has God not asked you not to do this, Ralph? How are you not guilty, right? And, and if, you, if you're honest and you answer those questions, did, did I know sex outside of marriage was uh, wrong? Yeah, I did. did. Did I do it? Yeah, I did it. Did my pastor talk about it at one point? Yeah, he did, right? I can answer yes to all of those, but that's what the that's what the plaintiff is doing. That's what the accuser is doing. That's what he's presenting before God. But oh, my, my attorney, Jesus steps in. He said, whoa, 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 judge, listen. I need to cross-examine, right? Uh, I would like to speak to my client for a moment. And Jesus tells the client, me, he said, don't say anything else. Just plead the blood. And so when we come back, I said, judge, I plead the blood. And the judge like the blood. Then the next question he asks is, why are we even here in court? Why does he ask this? Because what we got to understand is, is that when God forgive, the Bible says in 1 John uh, and John 4, God, I just in 1 John 1 and 9, I believe, that God is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins, right? And so what happens is when we go into a court, when the enemy is trying to blame us for something, we overcome that by the blood. And the Bible talks about as far as the east is for the, from the rest, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The Bible talks about how Jesus, how God decided to not remember our, our transgressions and our iniquities for his sake. So what happens is when the enemy makes accusations against us, when we go and we plead the blood of God, God is now saying, why are we even here? Why? Because he does not recognize us to be guilty of anything. The only way guilt is present in the court system after you have pled the blood of Jesus is that you chose to make yourself guilty by admitting to things that no longer even belong to you. So, so after I plead the blood, I overcome by the blood and the word of my testimony, Jesus, my attorney is like, hey, hey, now tell the judge why we're here. Testify, testify about what the blood has done. But the enemy is still over here saying, but you guilty, Ralph. You had sex outside of marriage. You didn't give the tithe. You cussed out the person at Walmart. You cheated on this. You didn't do this. He's still over here talking about it. And all I got to say is, Judge, I'm innocent. The blood covers me. It's brought me victory. Father, I thank you that I align with the blood. You have already forgiven me because you are just and you are faithful. 
You additionally, you have promised to provide for me and ensure that my need is met. So this is what I begin telling the judge because the Bible tells the Bible tells us the Lord the, uh, that that after we're just after we are forgiven, that He says, "Come, let us argue together. Let us argue together." That's what it says. Come, let us argue together, so that you may prove what the word is said. Let me see, can I find that scripture? Yeah, it's Isaiah 43, 26. It's not in my notes. It says, it says this, review the past for me. Let us argue this matter, matter together. State the case for your innocence. God has set up a system for us so that we may be able to experience his goodness because that's what God wants to do. He wants to be good to us. God wants to be good to me. He wants to be good to me. And so as I sit there, as the enemy brings accusation against me, as he tries to make me think, oh, you're not worthy of that new job. You don't got enough education. You don't got enough that. The blood has taken care of everything that the Lord has told you can have. Now, I'm not telling you not to go back to school. I'm not. Because the Lord told you to go be a surgeon, then uh, he's, the Lord isn't going to supersede things where you don't got to go to school to learn how to be a surgeon, right? But if the Lord told you that you can make $100,000 and the enemy is bringing accusation against you, saying that you're not worthy, that you don't, you don't fit the bill, that you don't got X, Y, and Z, all you got to do is plead the blood and remind Jesus, according to Isaiah 43 and 26, remind him, state your cases in their innocence. It says, let you, that you may be proved right. So Lord, this is why I'm here. I'm here to give you testimony. I'm here to tell you that you said that I was blessed and highly favored. I'm here to tell you that you said this is a year that I will overcome and I have more. This is a year of favor. This is a year of increase. This is a year of abundance. This is a year of great harvest. Lord, I'm here to remind you of what you told me. Lord, I'm here to tell you that 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 what the accusation against me is not who I really am. I thank you, Lord, that I have all the skills, tools, and neat things needed to be to uh to get the job that you told me to have. I thank you that I have all the tools, skills, and needed to get the house like you said I get. I thank you that I have all the tools, skills, and wisdom needed to be married successfully the way you said I could have. God, I thank you that I have all these things. I'm here to remind you of what you told me that I can have. I testify that the Holy Spirit has taught me how to escape every situation. So though he brings an accusation that I'm a fornicator, I thank you that Holy Spirit has taught me how to escape every situation. He gives me a way of escape, right? I, I thank you for that. I testify of the goodness of God. I testify that I'm without spot or blemish, God. I, I testify that I'm free and I'm, I walk in liberty. That's who I am. And then God says, I find no fault in this man. Go and enjoy your freedom. But as long as we entertain the things that the enemy have to say about us that's contrary to kingdom culture, then we end up experiencing a life that God never designed for us because the testimony that we provide is not related and aligned to the kingdom, but it's aligned to the world that we live in. All right. So that's my question. What testimony are you telling? Are you telling the testimony that you're a fornicator? Are you telling the testimony that you are sick? Are you telling the testimony that you're broke? Are you telling the testimony that you're depressed? Are you telling the testimony that you can't make six digits? Are you telling the testimony that you're going to just suffer from generational curses because grandma and her grandma and her grandma suffer from that? What, what testimony are you telling? What are you agreeing with while you're on the witness stand? Right? What are you agreeing with? Are you saying you're broke? Are you saying you're busted? Are you saying you can't be trusted? You know, that was that old thing. broke, busted, it can't be trusted. That my grandma used to say that all the time. What are you saying? What's your testimony? Is your testimony based on what you observe with your senses, or is what is it based on what you observe with your spirit? What's your testimony based on? Because when our testimony is based on, on, on what, what God has said, it does not matter the accusation. And when I say accusation, you, the enemy don't even have to accuse most of some of us because we automatically disqualify ourselves. 
Well, you know, I missed that tithe that one time. I ain't talking about that you you just chose not to tithe at all. That ain't what I'm saying. But you missed one thing, or you didn't fast this time, or you that's just condemnation. That's not a kingdom characteristic. You're free from that. You disqualify yourself because you're a woman. You disqualify yourself because you're black. You disqualify yourself because people that look like you don't really uh, hold that position. You look for all these earthly things that cause you to speak a testimony that's contrary to the kingdom. And because you do that, you disqualify yourself. And though the job belonged to you, you will never experience the job because your testimony didn't allow you to overcome. That's right, Pastor John. I agree with God. So let's talk about it. And Ezekiel, man, I, as I was doing these notes uh, and I got to this example, I was like, dude, that bring back memories. Ezekiel 37 was the first message I ever taught. I was 18 years old. I remember being at Munn's Chapel uh, Church. I was a freshman in college. But Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones, that was my first message I ever taught. But if you go over there, Ezekiel 37 and verses 1 through 14, we're not going to read that. Um, you'll find out that Ezekiel had to uh, decide what testimony he was going to uh, say. He, he was going to have to decide what testimony he was going to agree with, right? Because God asked Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel replied, and I loved his reply. It says, Lord, only you know, right? How many times have you been in a situation and the Lord said, hey, that job, that job is yours. And instead of you saying yes, or Lord, I thank you, you just like, I don't know how I'm going to get that job. That you go down, you scroll down, and I, and I ain't gonna lie to you, I, I did it recently. I, you scroll down to all the requirements, I'm like, I don't, I don't got all them requirements, you know? And, and then you, before you know it, you in your mind, in your earthly sense realm, you are building a case against yourself. You're actually building a case against God because what God has said is that the job belongs to you. And what you do with your testimony is begin to build a case against yourself to cause you to be guilty of not receiving the thing that God has told you you can have. He may tell you that the job is yours and you and your thing is, oh, I don't, I don't meet qualifications. Oh, I don't have enough experience. Oh, I've never done that before. Uh, oh, this or the, oh, that. And so immediately you begin to just disqualify yourself. What smart person, and, and we will never call ourselves stupid, right? We'll never call ourselves that. But how many times have you built a case against yourself when God was trying to get you something? When God was trying to bless you with the new house, when God was trying to take you to the next level financially, when God was trying to move you from thousandaire to millionaire, right? How many times did you build a case against yourself because you allowed your own doubt and unbelief to cause you to have a testimony contrary to God? Like Pastor Sean said, I agree with God and I do it quickly. I agree with God and I do it quickly. So Ezekiel was being careful in his testimony, right? Because Ezekiel saw what he saw. Ezekiel was surrounded by acres and acres and acres of dry bones. The bones were dry and dusty and all he could see for, for, for all that he could see was just bones and, and death and despair and dryness and barrenness. That's all he saw. And Jesus asked this man, can these bones live? Most of us, be in the, if we were in a cemetery and Jesus asked us something from that, we'll get so scared, we'll just run out the cemetery. We won't even entertain God because we'll let our senses get in the way of hearing what he got to say. In the spirit, in the flesh, Ezekiel saw what he saw. In the spirit, Ezekiel heard and recognized the sound of an army through his spirit. So at this point, Ezekiel had to give testimony based on, on his experience. Which experience are you giving a testimony on? Because you heard God say the job is yours, but you also see how you don't qualify. What's coming? What are you agreeing with? 
What are you agreeing with? Ezekiel prophesied what God said and the bones came together. Flesh came on them and breathed into inner and breath entered them and they became life. What dead thing is God asking you to speak to? It doesn't matter what it looks like today. Look at the earth. At one time, where what we see today was uh, was void and without form, and it was darkness, and there was no light, there was no water, there was no land, there was no nothing. All God did was saw something contrary to the kingdom, and he spoke words, and it all began to change. And that same power that he has when he spoke and created the earth, he passed it down to Adam. And when Adam sinned, sin messed things up. But from the time of Adam's sin, God has tried to get us back to have the same power. That's why Jesus came and he gave us Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us so that we can do even greater works. But if we choose not to agree with what he is saying and overcome by by his blood and our, by the word of our testimony, then we will choose to live a life of defeat, even though victory has already been purchased on our behalf. All right. So how did Ezekiel overcome? All right. Real quick, we'll go through this. Ezekiel chose to hear God. You got to choose to hear God. I get in my truck all the time. I have a radio in my truck. I hardly ever listen to the radio in my truck. It's not that the radio doesn't work. I'm just not tuned in. I'm using my Spotify or Apple Music or something like that. So the frequency is always broadcasting. But if I don't choose to tune in to it, I don't know what's broadcasting over the airway. So Ezekiel chose to hear God. Because if Ezekiel didn't choose to hear God, then the testimony Ezekiel would have given by default would have been one that aligned with his soul, his mind, his will, his emotions, his imagination, his intellect. What did his soul observe? It observed death. So when Jesus would have said, can they live? His automatic response would have been no, because they already dead. And in the natural sense, anything that dead does not come back to life. That's a spiritual thing or in which we call that resurrection, right? That's what we just uh, did this summer. I mean, Sunday, we we honored God. Uh, we uh, celebrated Jesus' resurrection. So Ezekiel chose to hear God. That was the first thing. The second thing he did is Ezekiel chose not to give testimony based on what he observed in the natural. Guys, we have to stop giving testimony based off what we see with our soul. I speak by my spirit. I don't speak by my soul. My, my testimony comes from my spirit. It does not come from my soul. He made the spirit more real than his reality. He testified from a position of heaven and not earth. And that was so good. I've heard Pastor Sean talk about it, uh, how God asked her to pray from a, a place of heaven. And, and here's the thing. We have to stop. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We have to understand that we have been given authority to see the world through heaven's lens. I mean, through heaven's lens. So many times we're not speaking based on what we see through heaven's lens. We're speaking through what we see with our earthly eyes. And because we speak with what we see through our earthly eyes, we receive through our testimony because our words have power and they're meant to design, to create, and to produce the thing that I'm testifying about, the thing that I'm witnessing to, the thing I'm agreeing with through my words is the thing that I'm experiencing in my life. So if I say, God, thank you, Father, that I see this situation from heaven and not from my soul, I thank you, God, that you'll give me your, your spiritual aspect, your spiritual view from the outside in so that I may see this the way that you see it, God, so I may speak to it the way you want me to speak to it. And so then I begin to speak to things from a heavenly standpoint and not from an earthly standpoint so that I may say what God has said, so that I may see what God has already seen on my behalf. And so we got to move from speaking to things from an earthly position and speaking to things from a heavenly position. Number three, Ezekiel chose to say to God what he heard from God. Quit making up stuff to say to God. God ain't told you to say that. Don't say it. If God ain't told you to do something, don't do it. Do what God says do and say what God says say. And that's what Ezekiel did. Ezekiel said, 
uh, when God told him to speak to the bones, Ezekiel did what? He spoke to the bones. When God says, uh, tell him to get breath, Ezekiel told breath to come into the bones. So many times you don't want to say what God has told you to say. If God said that you're going to be a millionaire, it doesn't matter how broke everybody in your family is. You testify based on what heaven has said. All right. And the fourth thing that Ezekiel did was that he continued to give testimony until he saw what he saw. You know, we did the whole teaching on imagination, right? Ezekiel already had observed the valley of dry bones being an army for God. He had already observed that. He had already in the spiritual realm encountered that, seen that, right? So what he did, he kept saying and giving testimony until he saw what he saw. You can't just quit at the bones coming together. Ezekiel, you can't just quit with the application. You just can't quit with getting the first $10,000. You just can't quit with, with the first time the marriage is good for a day when it hasn't ever been. You just can't quit there. Ezekiel says, okay, now these bones came together. Now we need some tendons and ligaments. Now we need something to hold these bones together. He's like, okay, the, the sinews have showed up, right? The things that hold the bones together, they done showed up, but he can't stop right now because it ain't alive. It ain't the finished work. So I got to keep giving testimony until I see what God has showed me. So Ezekiel said, you know what? I need muscles and skin. And the Bible says that muscles and skin came onto the bones and onto the sinews. And the Lord said, we ain't done yet. So you know what? Ezekiel didn't stop testifying. And see, so many times we'll see a little progress and we'll thank God for the progress. We'll grow up poor and we thank God for middle class, but middle class is not your destination, baby. Middle class is just the skin. And God is like, come on over here to millionaire status. Call the breath in, Ralph. Call the breath in, Trinika. Call the breath in, uh, Kimberly. Call the breath in. Bring this thing to life. And, and Ezekiel said, you know what? Look, I call for the breath to show up. And the Bible says that the breath came in and they became living beings. You can't quit just because you see progress talk to myself. You can't quit testifying just because you live better than you ever live. But is it where God told you to go? Is it where God said that you will be at? And if it's not where God told you was your destination, then you can't stop traveling. I refuse to set up permanent camp anywhere that God's called to be temporary. I refuse to set up permanent camp where God is called to be temporary. I refuse to set up permanent camps. And see, that's why it's so important to tame your team, tame your environment. That's why it's so important. Why? Because some you can get in a place and you can build such strong relationships and you can do all these things and your relationships become stronger than God's word for your life. And so those relationships in the earth hold you in a place that God is calling you out of. But I don't want to leave Pookie now. Well, fine, sit there. Disobey God. You wonder why I'm not, you like, I know God has called me to more. Well, more means you got to move somewhere, but you don't want to leave Pookie now. And so now, though you are making progress, right? Now you're stagnant, right? Now, like Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, you ain't living because all you got is skin. You have no breath. Don't let progress keep you from your destination. Don't let good enough keep you from your destination. Don't let, don't let a better life today than you had tomorrow keep you from progressing to the excellence and abundance God has told you to enjoy. Amen? So prophecy, I love this. Prophecy and promises do not become manifestations without a man who is willing to give a testimony. Prophecy and promises do not become manifestations without a man who is willing to give testimony. You may look like a fool as you tell everybody who God's told you to tell about how you're going to be a millionaire, 
how you work out the systems, how, God, how the Holy Spirit teaches you how to invest in real estate, how to teach you how to invest in crypto, how he teaches you how to invest in, in different markets and different things like that. Holy Spirit is just walking you through detail by detail, minute habit change by minute habit change, minuscule little things that seem like insignificant, but God is setting you up to build your character, to build your strength, so that you may uh, withhold and be able to stand the glory that he wants to put on your life. And so it may be looking like things aren't progressing, but God is building a root system for you so that your care can hold when he takes you to the places that he wants you to go. Because he understands that the enemy wouldn't like anything more than get you to a situation where your character can't sustain you. That's why he's dealing with you with showing up on time. That's why he's dealing with you about being... Uh, being being honest and being truthful. That's why he's dealing with you about your pride. And that's why he's dealing, dealing with you about your arrogance. That's why he's dealing with you about those little things in your characters, because he's trying to grow us up so that we may be able to be the people that he has called us to be and, 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 and sit in the places that he has called us to sit. And our character doesn't cause us to bring defamation to the kingdom of God because we can't withstand the place he called us to. I mean, we got to be able to be able to say, God, I thank you for helping me develop a foundation. Thank you, God, for teaching me about, about money. I mean, because some of you are like, well, God, I mean, God, I'm a great sower, but do you not sow when he tell you not to sow? Like just this week, it was a couple of times I felt like, I mean, I wanted to do something. I said, don't do that. So, so sowing is important. But also not sowing when God say don't do it is important. Why? Because God owns everything. I own nothing. So you got to be able to flow what God says flow. All right. So you have to agree with God. Say, go ahead and cite that again. Say, I agree with God. So Ezekiel was the example of what a good testimony looks like. Real quickly, let's go over what a poor testimony looks like. All right. In Numbers thir chapters 13 and 14, we most of us know the story. Uh, you, you'll find the story of the 12 spies. You know, they, the children of Israel, they're there. God has promised them the land. They send 12 spies into the land. They go out and spy the land that God has already swore to them, right? God has already swore this land to them. This your land, right? They out, This your land. This yours. And they go into it and they come back with a piss poor testimony about the land that God already swore to give them. Ten of the spies returned with a bad testimony. Their testimony resulted in them and others not seeing the promised land. However, God reserved the promised land for those who testified according to the promise. If you go over there and read 13 and 14, you'll find out that God, God was like, he was beside himself, right? But he said, you know what? Every single one of y'all. And see, this is how all of them were the children of Israel. All of them had the promise given to them. All of them were able to possess the promise, but all of them didn't possess. Why? Because of their testimony. God says, every one of you that chose not to have a good testimony, every one of you who chose to believe that poor testimony, every one of you, none of y'all will see the promised land. But Caleb and Aaron, y'all going to see it. Y'all going to see it. Why? Because they came back with what? They came back with a good testimony. That's why as believers, that's why even as partners of Fellowship of Champions, part of the partners can be progressing towards something while another part of the partners are not progressing. Why? Because it's all based on what you believe. Even in your family, even in a marriage, if both spouses are encountering the, the promised land, that God swore to them, but one spouse chooses not to have a positive testimony, then God is not able to give them what he has promised them because they don't receive it by faith. Only those who receive by faith what God has promised will inherit the promise and he will not go against his word. I think I, it, I got it says this, God is not capable of overriding his word to favor you. God is not capable 
of overriding, I may not put it in there. God is not capable of overriding his word to favor you. He's not. Why? Because to do so will cause him not to be just and not to be faithful. To do so will cause, cause him to, to fall. Why? Because he swore by his word. He swore by that. He, he, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. His word has been established for generations. And so God is not capable of overriding his word to favor you if you don't do it his way. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. So if I choose not to exercise faith and overcome by the word of my testimony, I cannot expect God to now favor me because I didn't do it the way that God has called me to do it. I overcome by the blood of the lamb and I overcome by the word of my testimony and I and by living a life not unto death. That's what the word says in Revelation 12. God wanted them to enjoy the promise, but their testimony prevented the experience. Lord, don't let our testimony prevent an experience God has already purchased on our behalf. And don't let a testimony prevent us from experiencing something God has already uh, purchased on our behalf. God wants you to enjoy the promise, but does your testimony hinder you or does it help you? You got to ask yourself, are the words that I'm speaking? Are the things that I'm believing in, are they helping me or are they hurting me? All right. We can overcome the accuser by the word of our testimony. This means that as we that we should declare the divine facts, not earthly facts. I declare the word. That, that's it. I declare the word. Not what the earth tells me. I declare what the heaven has said. I, not what the earth tells me. I declare what heaven has said. God, you, God told you to go buy a house, but Lord, interest rates are going up. I declare what the word has said and not what the earth. God knew interest rates would go up when he told you to pursue the house. God is not concerned about interest rate. Heaven's ability to produce has nothing to do with interest rates because you got to understand that everything heaven has for you has already been provided for you and interest rates had nothing to do with the completion of it. God ain't concerned about that. He built your house before there was interest rates. He put all of that in the earth. He just needs a man to agree with him. So we should declare the divine facts in the word. We shouldn't stand with what we feel, what we perceive with our, our, with our soul. We shouldn't. We got to stand with the divine, divine facts in the word. How do you do that? How do I always... Uh, give a kingdom testimony? How do I always position myself to respond the right way? All right. And I'll go through that real quickly and we'll be done. Number one, you got to know the word. You cannot testify about anything you have not been a witness to. That's why God wants us to spend time in the word. We can't testify about anything that I haven't been a witness to, right? I could testify how in a dry situation, how in a unfavorable situation, how the word of God can be used to bring life to something that was no longer alive. Hey, I mean, if you impotent, I mean, the word brought life to Abraham and to Sarah's womb, right? I, you could use the word of God as a testimony. And here's the great thing about God. He's not a respected person. Anything that he's done on behalf of one person, he is now obligated because he's just because he's, uh, and that's a judicial term, because he's just and that he's going to represent every person fairly, anything that he has done on anyone else's behalf, he is now obligated by faith for to do it by, for me as well. Now, how it is accomplished may look different, because we talked about how God, how right now we're all in different locations, and if God told us all to go to Bahamas right now, uh, we will all get to the Bahamas but our route for getting there will look different. So though God gives each one of us a direction, we got to be careful to hear Holy Spirit about the route to get there, all right? So you got to know the word. That's number one. How do I always have a kingdom testimony? I have to know the word. Number two, I must spend time praying in the spirit. Why? Because Holy Spirit knows all the secrets. 
Holy Spirit knows all the secrets and he will reveal them to you. So when we spend time praying in the Holy Spirit, we also spend time listening so we know his voice and we can hear that the rhema word about what God wants to do in our lives, about how God wants us to minister to other people, right? Number three, we got to obey and speak quickly. I agree with God. You know what? God told me that this is a year for me to do X. Nobody in my family has done X. Before you even entertain all that, just open your mouth and say, I agree with God. I agree with God. Lord, you want me to make $100,000? I agree with God. Don't, don't let the fact that you make 40 today cause you not to agree. God, I agree with you. Because the longer you wait, the more time your soul must has to consider all the things in the natural. So agree, agree with God quickly. And then number four, and the last one, that you got to control your environment and your team. All right. Uh, I'm reading another book. Uh, uh, it's called the, uh, gosh, what was the name of that book? It's about habits. I just went blank. That's going to bother me. Hold on. Um, I'll come back to it. Um, but anyway, oh, it's called, it's called the Atomic Habits. And, and in the book, it talks about how your environment consistently produces cues that either encourage got positive behaviors or encourages negative behaviors. Uh, and in this sense, we got to control our environment and our team. Why? Because our environment is either going to be producing cues to encourage godly habits or ungodly habits. Everything in our environment is either encouraging us to look more like God or it's encouraging us to move further away from God. And so Pastor Evan talked about and taming your tongue, taming your team, taming your temperament and taming, uh, taming those things. Right. Uh, and so what we got to do is understand that our environment is consistently working on us. And so you got to ask yourself, do I got things in my environment that encourage me to look less like God? Right. And you got to ask what when I sin, when I miss God, what is happening? Holy Spirit, teach me to identify. And in and, and, and education, we call it ABC data. Right. The antecedent. What was the antecedent to this behavior? What's occurring? Right. Because if you start to look at that, you can find out, man, the only time I find myself getting drunk is when I hang out with with a certain person. So it's something about hanging out with this certain person that causes me to make decisions that are not like God. And so the answer to that is really easy. Stop hanging out with the person. And, but a lot of times we can identify cues that cause ungodly behavior, but we're so attached to that, that thing that we're not willing to obey God. So that's why controlling your environment and controlling your team is so important so that we can make sure that, oh man, when I don't watch TV, as much, I find myself meditating on the word more. So you got to look at those habits and then you got to begin to say, you know what? Let me let me begin to make this, this cue bigger, right? So let me take the TV out my bedroom so that I am more conscious of my time so I can do these things, right? And, and it's, I encourage you, if you haven't read the book, it's a great book, Atomic Habits. Uh, but it, it, But with that, from a spiritual standpoint, what cues, what things do I got going on in my environment and with the people? Like when I hang out with Pat, my guys, my guy friends, we are silly. We laugh a lot, right? But every one of them have something about them that makes me want to be better. Like I'm never hanging with them and I just feel like, oh, I'm settled. This is the best life ever. We are always pushing each other. Like say it posted a car, I think in a group this morning, it's a half million dollar car. I mean, it always keeps you moving. And if you don't got an environment like that, that talks about things that causes you to begin, become better, then you need to change your environment. I mean, that's just bottom line. All right, so so that's it. Now I'm gonna pray this prayer. We're gonna do, to, uh, do our announcements. Lord, we thank you that you let the testimony of any word. To, and, and what I'm about to pray is that sometimes we've spoken words, right? that that and we didn't understand the power of those words so we want to nullify those words so we're going to pray pray about that lord please let the testimony of any word i've spoken 
contrary to the kingdom, be annulled so that it no longer speaks against me. I know that my testimony is speaking. We know that our testimony is speaking on our behalf and bringing man into manifestation into the earth. Therefore, we ask that your spirit be the loudest voice that we hear. We ask that you help us not to be guided by our senses, uh, self-knowledge or pride, but that our full dependence lies on you, on your written and your spoken word. Father, we will only say what you have said and we will only experience what you have said. We thank you for giving us the ability to be in the world while simultaneously not being of this world. We use our status as heavenly citizens to pull down the completeness of heaven into this earth so that men may see your glory and come running to, the, to experience your love, your grace, and your goodness. These things we ask for in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, like I said, week last week, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. This week, we overcome by the uh, the word of our testimony. And then next week, and the Bible says, and they live lives, not unto death, right? And so that's what we'll talk about next week. So thanks so much for hanging out with me. I'm going to go with the announcements really quickly, uh, and then we'll be dismissed. All right. Friday, join us for Champion Circles at 6.30 a.m. Set your clock, all right? So or your alarm, whatever. Make sure that you're there. You know that this year, we're not one of the things that we're doing is not missing a service. So show up. Sunday morning at 9.30. Yay, Pastor Chris and Elder Valley are back for live worship. Uh, so make sure that you subscribe to their page, like, follow, turn on the alerts, 9 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. And then follow them will be Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean at 9.30 for Sunday celebration. All right. And you guys already know where to find that on our fellowship page. I mean, on our uh, fellowship champion social page, as well as YouTube and some other places. All right. Um, so make sure you get there. Monday, Pastor Sean will be doing strategies for success at 12 noon from a personal professional page. Make sure you like and follow that because uh, she does pop-ups throughout the week. So make sure that you like and follow so that you don't miss that. Oh, and subscribe to her YouTube page. If you haven't already, uh, make sure you can go uh, search, go to YouTube, search uh, Sean Strickland. Make sure you like and follow her there as well. Uh, even if you like Facebook, just go there, like and follow uh, so that the numbers and everything like that go up. Why? Right? Because we want to support our men and women of God, and we want to sow that, that into their life so that when one day you may have the same thing that because you sowed that, then now you are able to harvest that. So make sure that you've done that for Pastor Chris and Pastor Sean. All right. Then Tuesday, we are back at 8 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time for prayer. Uh, so make sure you join us there. We pray twice a week. And then Wednesday, we're here for Ignite uh, at 7 p.m. And then followed up by Bible study at 8. In a victory zone. Don't forget, guys, victory zone is off the chain. We got some of the best uh, youth teachers out there. All right. Uh, 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 Tierra's already sent me the lesson for this Sunday. We're starting a new series. So make sure that you get your kids plugged in and that you fill out the Victory Zone form so that we can make sure to send your kids goodies and birthday gifts so that they know that we love them and that we're thinking about them. And lastly, at FLC, you know that we have 100% tithers. So you guys know where to go. Give a five, push pay, tithely, text to give. Go there and give your offer. Give your tithe. Uh, and if you're an international partner, you can utilize PayPal at flcchurchnwa.gmail.com to take advantage of that. And here's the great thing. You can give 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All right. There's <laughs> from anywhere. Uh, I, I honestly, uh, I hardly ever give on Sunday per se. I mean, because every time I think about giving, I'm just, I just get on the app. I pull up Givelify. And I just like, okay, Lord, here's the offering I just want to give you. Or here's the, okay, Lord, scholarship fund, you know. Oh, I got a little extra coming in for this. I want to sow this amount. It's so convenient. Uh, and I shout out, to, I know Pastor John loves text to give. I love Givelify. It's my favorite because uh, you can give multiple items and name it. So, but whichever one's your favorite, just be consistent in doing that. All right. Uh, set up, you can give automatically if you want. Uh, or anything like that. So make sure that you're giving. All right. 
new visitors, thank you. And then if you don't know Jesus, your Lord and personal Savior, just repeat after me. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus as a perfect sacrifice. I thank you that his blood has brought salvation and forgiveness of sin. I receive him in my life as Savior, and I receive you as Lord. I commit my life to you, and I thank you that you will indwell in me the Holy Spirit to teach me how to live the life that you called me to live. I thank you for salvation, and I thank you that I'll spend eternity with you, but I thank you even more that you will help me to experience heaven right here on earth as I live out my days until I see you uh, in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You're saved, you set free, and you're delivered. If you said that prayer, then let us know, inbox us, so that we could get you connected with, with us uh, via church. Oh, speaking of that, partnership. If you're not a partner, go to focchurch.com. Scroll down to partnership and fill out the partnership form and let us know, all right? And then if you said that prayer of salvation, please send us a message so that we can continue to be praying for you and make sure that you're connected with the ministry or a ministry in your area that teaches the word of God and will help you grow up. All right. Love you guys. Be blessed and have a wonderful night. Bye-bye.